Okay. Praise the Lord. Oh, I, I want to bring this up. This is just like your index of your Bible right here. But uh, notice there's um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. You could end right here. You could stop. History quit right here, except for Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, okay? It quits right here. This is far enough. Now, what's amazing is you have a whole chunk of Bible from here down this way, not counting the New Testament, but it's all related to right here. It's actually, it's actually related to this right here. These kings. That's what those prophets were prophesying about. Yeah, they talked about Jesus coming, but they were living in the days of that right there. So much affects us in there, but uh, it's, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is the Bible is a whole lot shorter than you think. So anyway, from Genesis all the way down to, you can just say 2 Kings. That's the end of it right there. Except for, like I say, this is, some, this is history, history, history that right here. These are not prophets. Nehemiah's not a prophet. He, said, he was just a, 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 a priest. Well, actually, Ezra was a priest. He was a mayor. Esther, <laughs> Esther was not a prophet. They were gone under Nebuchadnezzar. They were all going to get killed. And she wound up being what? Queen of the Persian king. Whatever. Praise the Lord. And she went in there because Mordecai, her uncle, said, look, if you don't tell your husband, the Jews, we're all fixing to get killed. You know, we're all going to be, they're going to kill us all. And she went in there and said, uh, and told the story. But anyway, so that's historical. The rest of it, these are all, it's so wonderful. You just might as well say Psalms is David. It's not. Half of them closely related to him. The rest of them aren't. Proverbs was Solomon. So that's up here during this time. And then Isaiah was a time of one of the kings. He was toward the latter end of the kings. Lamentations. It's weeping. Guess what they were weeping for? Nebuchadnezzar came and got them. Wiped them out. God told them it was going to happen. So anyway, uh, let me close this down right here. So it's really a lot shorter than you think. Uh, these are all those books right here. These are all prophets that, that preached during that time frame. Then all of a sudden we get to Matthew. Now Matthew, of course, it's interesting here. This is, um, this is Jesus. He's always been around. He said before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, we find out, was the one who created everything. All things were created for him and by him. He is rocking everybody's boat right here with his presence. Okay, now, uh, speaking of boat, okay, here we go. Ninth chapter, let's get down here where, uh, anyway, let me back up just a second. Notice this, uh, here's a, uh, in the ninth chapter, uh, here's a boy that's paralyzed. Notice verse 7, the boy jumped up and left. He was healed. Okay, next thing that happens is, let me go a little further here. Oh, here's a rabbi. His daughter just died. Well, you know what's going to happen. She gets healed. On the way, here's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. She gets healed. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, here's where the little girl gets healed. She, I mean, raised back from the dead. Now, uh, let's see. As he was leaving her home, two blind men followed behind him saying, O son of King David. Now, we would have to know something about King David. And it's so easy. This is like phonics in first and second grade when, in the 1960s when I went. We had to learn about those little books, you know, Dick and Jane and whoever else they were. You, we, we, this is common. That's the reason it's so wonderful the way the Bible's laid out. So anyway, these blind guys... They went right into the house where he was staying. Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, he told them. Now, isn't that amazing? 
Mark eleven twenty four says, "What things serve you desire when you pray? Believe you receive them, and you shall have them." Let me let me put that in the uh, oh, in the excuse me in the uh, Living Bible here just a second, and you'll see why Jesus asked this question. Mark, uh, let's see, let's go to eleven. Now watch this. Why did Jesus say, um, <clears throat> do you believe I can make this happen? Look at this. 24. Listen to me. This is Jesus. Okay, listen. Listen. You can pray for anything. And if you believe you have it, it's yours. Now, excuse me, but that, that wipes us all out right there. Unless we pay attention and believe God. It's hard to do that. If you don't trust the Lord, you've got to, because we think I can do without it. So let's say it's money. <laughs> it was just an idea. I probably don't need that, Lord. That's not what he said do. I have to believe I have it, and then it's yours. A lot of people say, no, 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 I believe. No, you believe Jesus is alive. I do too. We all do that. The demons believe that. That's not accomplishing anything. You've got to believe I have. What I asked for. But see, we just think, I I can do... Open your eyes. Look at how... We're already so blessed with the beauty of this world. At night, you can see the stars and stuff. It's all yours. It's yours. I mean, who else owns it? You own it as much as anybody else does. And God is so... He he can't fix something that you have have need of. No, he'll, He'll do it for you. He surely will. Verse 25, if, when you're praying, just forgive people. Boy, that's a big tip. Okay, now back to this. Oh. So anyway, there's two blind men here. Okay. Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Oh, and they said, yes, Lord. Okay. Do you believe I can make you see? Well, all right. Hang on a second. I'm back to it. Hang on a second. All right. Yes, Lord, they told him. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it'll happen. And suddenly they could see. But Jesus sternly warned them not to tell anyone about it. But instead they spread his fame all over the town. Now, Mark's gospel will tell you why he said this. That's because there were some bad guys in the crowd that are trying to jump up and create trouble. It's not that we don't want to tell people. Okay, but anyway. Anyway, leaving that place, Jesus met a man that couldn't speak because a demon was inside of him. Now, wait a minute. We're getting carried away with all this help. Where's all of the learn to be a better Christian, learn to be this? That takes care of itself. It really does. The, anyway, the guy couldn't talk. Jesus cast out the demon. Instantly the man could talk. How the crowds marveled. Never in our lives have we seen anything like this, they exclaimed. But the Pharisee says, well, the only reason he's doing it because he's possessed with a devil. I'm glad Jesus didn't pay attention to that. You shouldn't pay attention to it either. Watch verse 35. Jesus traveled Throughout all the cities, you could say that affects us, that's like us, and villages of that area, teaching in the Jewish synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Look at this. And wherever he went, he healed the people of every sort of illness. Look at this next verse. And what pity. Now think, is he still the same? Revelation 3 says he is. He's right there at your door and my door. He felt pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great And they didn't know what to do and where to go for help. Is he serious? Yes. And he's serious about that with you and I today. 
Look at that. They were like, what? Sheep without a shepherd. Oh, we've heard that before. Jesus is a shepherd. But we didn't know that he was interested in all our problems. It's almost like the sheep are supposed to do something for the shepherd. Well, we understand that, but you got to remember, we love him because he first loved us. It's just like when we go to the Lord, we just, sometimes we feel like, well, I don't need to ask. Yes, you are. Boy, these multitudes, when Jesus would get off the boat, they ran and got their sick folk and got them over there. They knew Jesus would do something about this. But look what he says. Their problems were so great, they didn't know what to do, where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he says, the harvest is great, the workers are few. Now, let's go take another little piece here. I'm going to start here in the uh, uh, 15th, no, 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 the 14th chapter. King Herod heard about Jesus. This is a time slice. He heard about, now what did he hear about Jesus? (laughs) All these miracles. Herod Right before Jesus died on the cross, Pilate sent him to Herod because he said, he's in your jurisdiction. You take care of him. And Herod stood there wanted Jesus to do a miracle. Now, you don't ask somebody to do a miracle who doesn't do them regularly. I tell you. Anyway, he said this to his men. This must be John the Baptist. This is the mental thought they had back there, mysticism and whatever. They said, it can't be true that Jesus is the Son of God. What it is, is I killed John the Baptist And John the Baptist has come back from the dead as a zombie, and he's doing all this stuff. Boy, Herod's actually part Jewish. He should know these things, but guess what he wasn't doing? He wasn't reading his Bible. If you read your Bible, you'll believe all these wonderful things that the Lord will do. Anyway, this has got to be John the Baptist. He's come back to life. That's why he can do these miracles. Wrong. Herod had arrested John, chained him in prison at his demand. His wife Herodias, the brother of Philip's ex-wife, because John had told him it's wrong for him to marry her. He would have killed John, but he was afraid of a riot. Okay, All the people believed John was a prophet. Okay, But at a birthday party, you remember this story, Herodias, daughter, anyway, it's his stepdaughter, performed a dance that greatly pleased him. He vowed to give her anything she wanted. Consequently, at her mother's urging, the girl asked for John the Baptist's head. On a platter. You know, we hear this phrase in our society, give it to me on a platter. That's where all this comes from. You go back and it's amazing. I I just, I appreciate so much that uh, you can't get out of our society. Anyway, the king was grieved because of his oath and because he didn't want to back down in front of his guests. He issued the necessary orders. Now watch this. John was beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a tray given to the girl who took it to her mother. Here we go. Then the John's disciples came for his body, buried it, and they came to tell Jesus what happened. Well, that ought to tick Jesus off. Well, let's just look at Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he went off by himself in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Boy, humanity. That's just like Genesis chapter uh, chapter 6. Before the flood, God said he was sorry that he created all mankind. Because the whole world was just wicked. But the crowd saw where he was headed and they followed by land from many villages. So when Jesus came out of the wilderness, a vast crowd was waiting for him. Here it is again. He pitied them and healed their sick. I'm so glad Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Anytime you go to him, he's there to help you. That's the reason the book of Psalms is on your side. Most of the Psalms are just, I, 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 help, 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 help. And he will. 
Keep it that way. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, Look, it's already past supper. There's nothing to eat out here in the desert. Send the crowds away, and they can go in the villages and buy some food. Jesus said it isn't necessary. Wait a minute, it isn't necessary. Well, you know it's going to feed the 5,000, but just think about your problems. I need to go do this. I need to go do that. I need to go. I need. Wait, it isn't necessary. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. I don't have anything to worry about. He'll get it to me. Green pastures. Still waters. And they said, what? We have exact. Oh, he said, you feed them. <laughs> right. We have exactly five loaves and uh, oh, five small loaves and two fish. Bring them here. He told the people to sit down on the grass. Now, you remember Luke's account of this. This is in Mark. It's also in Luke. It's also in Matthew. Those three Gospels. Okay. Now, I, John's got, got it too. But anyway... One of those tells the story and it says, have everybody sit down in what? Groups of fifties and hundreds. Now you think, why did he do that? Well, if I was there, I would have thought, he wants us in groups of, well, I could tell the difference between a fifty group and a hundred group. But real quick, you could look up and do the math after this miracle happened and you'd go, oh my goodness, I'm going to recount. Let's see, uh, two, four, six, eight, ten. That's 5,000, I'm going to do this again. And you'd, you'd know, people. And remember, they didn't count the women and kids, so they were going, this is 10,000 or 13 or 12, whatever. So anyway, <clears throat> look what happened. He took the two loaves, uh, looked up to the sky, asked God's blessing on the meal, broke the loaves apart, gave them to the disciples to place, to place before the people. Everyone ate, look at that, everyone ate until full. And when the scraps were picked up, they were, there were 12 baskets left over. Now wait, let's back up a second. What did he say about them? He said, uh, they said, send them away. Oh, yeah, because there's nothing to eat in the desert. Send the crowds away. He said, it isn't necessary. Praise the Lord. Okay. So uh, they picked up the scraps afterward. There were 12 baskets full left over. Mercy. Abundant life. Isn't that, isn't that right? About 5,000 men were in the, in the crowd that day, besides all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he stayed to get the people started home. Watch this. Jesus is a real character, isn't he? He went ahead and sent his staff saying, hey, we're going to have a meeting across the water. Y'all get going. Well, how's he going to get there? Well, we know he's going to walk, okay, but watch what happens. But he's telling everybody to go on home. Wow. Remember, he pities them. He's trying to help them in all their problems. Then afterwards, he went up in the hills to pray. Night fell. Wait a minute. We don't even have any details about this. Oh, my goodness. Must have been something. Don't write books about that. Just pray. You have a problem? You just pray. Watch what your Jesus is doing. Night fell. Out on the water, the disciples were in trouble. What's this guy going to do? If you're in trouble, he's on his way. I mean, right then. Look at this. They were in trouble, for the wind had risen, and they were fright- They were fighting heavy seas. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the water. They screamed in terror. I guess I would too. I'm like, what are we on land or something? Plus, it's stormy and windy and dark. They thought it was, he was a ghost. Jesus immediately spoke to them, don't be afraid. Well, Peter called him, sir, if it's really you, tell me to come to you 
walking over to you walking on the water. Now that's a very interesting thing here. Peter knew whatever the Lord could do, he could do. The Lord says, all right, remember, it's still stormy. It's bad. Come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat, look at that, and walked on the water. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. But look how quickly he came back. He didn't holler for the boat. <laughs> He's going down. He said, now look at the time frame. Let's get the timing right here. Save me. Has he got a lot of time? I don't think so. You wouldn't have a whole lot of time. The next wave, could, it could be history. Lord, save me, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand. Now, why do we have the details? I think you can figure that out. I don't care what we're faced with today. You should instantly. He reached out his hand and rescued him. Now, look what Jesus said. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is on top of the water. You're not supposed to walk on He's on top of the water, okay? Peter, he's trying to think this thing out. He's in the water. Now look what the Lord says. And this is where the problem is. He says, O man of little faith, why did you doubt me? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind stopped. The others sat there awestruck. I guess so. Two guys walking on the water. You really are the son of God. They landed at Gennesaret. They get across. Look at this. News of their arrival spread quickly throughout the city and soon people were rushing around telling everyone to bring their sick to be healed. The sick begged him to touch, uh, let them touch the tassel of his robe and all who did were healed. Some Pharisees and other Jewish leaders now arrived to interview Jesus and they said, well, why don't your disciples, no, why do your disciples disobey the ancient Jewish traditions? They ignore the ritual of ceremonial hand washing before they eat. And he said, well, why do your traditions violate the direct commandment of God? Now, notice he's talking to supposedly spiritual people. He said, why do you violate the Bible? For instance, God's law says, honor your father and mother. Anyone who reviles his parents must die. But you say, if your parents are in need, you may give the support that you were supposed to give to your parents. You can give it to the church. And it's okay. Man, that sounds like politics today. You may give the support money to the church instead. And so by your man-made rule, you nullify the direct commandment of God in honor, uh, to honor and care for your parents. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy, and he says, you know, these people say, uh, worth, they, say uh, they honor me, but their heart's far away. Their worship is worthless. They teach man-made laws instead of those from God. Now look what Jesus says here. This blew them all away. Then Jesus called the crowd. Everybody listen up a second. And try to understand. You aren't made unholy by eating non-kosher food. What? I'm not supposed to eat that. That's, Jesus said it didn't matter. It's what you say and think that makes you unclean. Then the disciples came to him and said, Man, you ticked those guys off. <laughs> you offended them. Jesus said, every plant that's not planted by my father is going to be rooted up, so ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. Both of them will fall into the ditch. Then Peter asked to explain what he meant by people that are not defiled by, not, when he said people are not defiled by non-kosher food. He says, don't you understand, Jesus said, don't you see that anything you eat passes through the digestive tract and goes out again? That's not what makes you holy or whatever. 
But evil words come from within an evil, no, yeah, evil words come from within an evil heart and defile the man who says them. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile, but there's no spiritual defilement from eating without first going through the ritual of ceremonial hand washing. Jesus left that part of the country. Now watch this. He just for a second had a little bitty message there, but look what he's doing constantly. Now watch this. We have the details. He went on a 50-mile walk. And I want to tell you something. He didn't preach a single sermon. We have record of. We only have the details of what he did here. Think about it. We all leave here now. We're all going to walk to Florence. That'd be about 50 miles. I'm not going. Well, look who went. Now just remember... The disciples were in trouble. Jesus went out to them. Watch this. He left that part of the country, walked the 50 miles to Tyre and Sidon. A woman from Cana who was living there came to him. Well, you remember this story. Have mercy on me, O Lord, King David's son. For my daughter has a demon within her and it torments her constantly. Jesus gave her no reply. Now, boy, I tell you that... One mark against you, Lord. That wasn't very nice. No, he knows what he's doing. Because unless you believe you have it, you're not going to get it. He told those blind men, do you believe I'm able to do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. He said, well, all right. Boy, they got their eyes back. He gave her no reply. Not even a word. Then his disciples urged him, well, send her away then. Tell her to get going, they said. For she's bothering us with all this. Begging. Jesus said to her, I was not sent to help the Jews. No, I said, I was sent to help the Jews, the lost sheep of Israel, not the Gentiles. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just walked 50 miles to some place. And the only thing that's going to happen is this woman. Watch what happens. But she came in worse to him and pleaded, Sir, look at this. Help me. Remember, Jesus just said they have nowhere to turn for help. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, it doesn't seem right to take bread from the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Praise the Lord. What can we learn from this? For even the puppies beneath, whoops, beneath the table. There we go. Even the puppies beneath the table are permitted to eat the crumbs that fall. Woman, he, Jesus told her, your faith is large. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed right then, 50 miles back to Galilee. What was he up to? Well, he loved that woman, didn't he? I mean, I, I can't imagine that story. What, what's it even in there for? He went all the way to help her, didn't he? And he'll go all the way to help you too. Now Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee, climbed a hill, sat down. A vast crowd, look at this. You're, this is going to blow you away right here. A vast crowd came to him. They brought their lame, their blind, their maimed. That means you're missing something. And those who couldn't speak and many others, look at this, laid them before Jesus. He healed them all. What a spectacle it was. Those who hadn't been able to say a word were talking excitingly. Those who were missing arms and legs had new ones. Oh, oh. Some people I know, they have a fit. They'll go, Richard, come on. A donkey talked. A donkey talked. A donkey talked. And I'm thinking... A snake talked in Genesis 3. What's your problem? But they, anything to try... To, and what they, they mean it seriously. They're, they're, they just have trouble believing that Jesus is this good. And so a lot of times they think, well, you know, evolution, you know, this is just our religion. Let me tell you, this is more than religion right here. This is reality. 
These people were totally flipping out. They had new arms and legs. The cripple were walking and jumping around. And those who had been blind were gazing about them. The crowds just marveled and praised the God of Israel. Remember I was talking about historically all the way through the kings? That's the whole story. Stick with the God of the Bible. Don't run to any other God. He will help you. Praise the Lord. Look what Jesus said. I pity. He called his disciples. Said I pity these people. They've been with me here for three days now and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they'll faint along the road. He's going to feed them again. Wow. The disciples replied, where would we get enough here in the desert for even this, all this mob to eat? How much food you got? They said, we got seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. Jesus told the people to sit on the ground. He took the seven loaves. Here we go again. Divided the pieces, gave the disciples and presented them for the cloud. Everyone, look at this. They ate until full. 4,000 men besides the women and children. Afterward, the scraps they picked up were seven baskets full. Jesus sent the people home and got on the boat and crossed to Magadan. Same thing happened when they got to the other side. Now, I don't have time, but there was a real wicked king in uh, 1 Kings. Well, actually, I do. I'm not going to read it all, but watch this. 1 Kings. This guy was horrible. He was horrible. 1 Kings. Oh, 21, Ahab, you heard him, the prophets of Baal, whatever. Man, what a loser. Anyway, Naboth, a man from Jezreel, had a vineyard on the outside of King Ahab's palace. One day the king talked to him about selling this land. I want it for a garden, the king said, because it's convenient to the palace. He offered him cash. This guy, we'll call him Nate, uh, preferred, uh, uh, you know, he anyway, anyway, a better piece of land. He was going to offer a trade. Anyway, old Naboth says, not on your life. It's been in my family for generations. Ahab went back in the palace. He was angry and sullen. He refused to eat, went to bed, faced the wall. Now remember his wife Jezebel, look what she says. What in the world's the matter? Why are you not eating? What's made you upset and angry? He said, well, I asked old Nate for his farm, whatever, his, his vineyard, and he refused. Well, you know what Jezebel's going to do? She's going to have him killed. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and, and eat and don't worry about it. I'll get this vineyard for you. She wrote letters. She lied. She wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, addressed them to the civic leaders of Jezreel where Naboth lived. In the letter, she commanded all the city and citizens together for fasting and prayer, then summon Naboth and find two scoundrels who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Take him out and execute him. Well, they did that. They called the meeting. You know what happened? Anyway, they had him killed. All right. The city officials sent word to Jezebel that Naboth was dead. Now, look at this. Jezebel heard the news. She said to Ahab, you know the vineyard that Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab went down to get the vineyard and claim it. Now, listen, he's worshiping devils. He is such a sorry king. Elijah was the one that said it ain't going to rain for three years. This guy was terrible. And I'm saying this for a reason. All these wonderful things about the Lord. Watch this. The Lord said to Elijah, go to Samaria, meet King Ahab. He'll be at Naboth's vineyard, taking possession. Give him this message. Isn't killing Naboth bad enough? Must you rob him too? Because you've done this, the dogs are going to lick your blood outside the city just as they've licked the blood of Naboth. Oh, this was doomsday, buddy. So my enemy has found me, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. 
Yes, Elijah said, I've come to place God's curse upon you because you sold yourself to the devil. The Lord's going to bring great harm on you, all this horrible stuff. Not a single one of your descendants are going to survive. He's going to destroy your family as he did the family of Jeroboam and King Basha. You've made him very angry, led all Israel into sin. Now the sin was worshiping idols. The Lord also told me that the dogs of Jezreel shall tear apart the body of your wife. That's what happened later. You'll see that happen. Anyway, the members of your body are, are going to be eaten by dogs. It's just terrible. Anyway, no one else was so completely sold out to the devil as Abed. Nobody. But now watch. You're going to see mercy here in a second. For his wife Jezebel encouraged him to do all sorts of evil. He was especially guilty because here he is, worshiped these idols. This is the end of this chapter. I want you to see it. Anyway. Uh, when Ahab heard these prophecies, he tore his clothes, put on rags, he fasted, he slept in sackcloth, and went about in a deep humility. Now look at this. Then another message came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Now this guy was wicked. He was throwing his kids to the fire. Because he's done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. Praise the Lord. Do you think you're as wicked as Ahab? That's the reason we got the details. If we would just trust the Lord, all heaven would open up. Boy, I tell you, God is so merciful. So merciful. He says, because of this, I'll not do what I promised <laughs> during his lifetime. Boy, if I was Ahab, I'd be like, praise God. It'll happen to his sons. Oh, I'll destroy his descendants. Now, there's a reason for that. It wasn't that, oh, God's just mean. No, he's not. You should see what these clowns were doing. But anyway, look what he did. Now, what was Ahab doing? Was Ahab acting like there was no God? There was no Jesus? No, he knew it. He knew he blew it, too. But he had all that mercy. All the crowds that came to Jesus could see the same thing in Jesus' eyes. They knew Jesus would accept every one of them. That's the reason Jesus said, you believe I'm, going to, I'm able to do this? You believe it's going to happen? Praise the Lord, yes. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord. If we're not feeling good, you'll fix that. Praise the Lord. We don't have to earn it. Look at Ahab. Wow. Father, same thing's true financially. You'll just take care of it. If there's any problem we're facing, you'll fix it for us. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell us how great you are. We're not trading you in for nothing. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.